Welcome back to another episode of East Scott Games, where we review, preview, and interview our way through NBL One East for 2023. My name's Jacinta from the Central Coast Crusaders, and with me today is not only Lockie France with his basketball hat on and his commentary uh, expertise behind him. You're you're in the role at the moment of hardcore FIFA Women's World Cup fan, Lockie. I think I'm always in that role. I'm just finding it a lot harder to juggle this week, Squin. <laughs> Having been to two games already with another five to come this week. That's a tall order, mate. But, you know, as we experienced with the uh, FIBA Women's World Cup last year, the FOMO sometimes gets the best of you and you and you really do want to make the most of it while it's here. 100%. I mean, I'm off to Perth on Wednesday. I mean, that's not a bad thing. Are you going to take some personal time while you're in Perth and make it a bit of a holiday as well? No, because I'm going to Brisbane the next day for the Matildas game. (laughs) And so will you get any personal time to hang out in Brisbane? No, because I'm coming back to Sydney for the Denmark-England game, then going to NBL 1 quarterfinals, and then I have another game on the Sunday. So no personal time, just sport. Well, sometimes it's when those two worlds collide between sport and personal life, right? Because sport being a big hobby of both of ours, but also a hobby that turns into a little bit of work too. So sometimes the lines are blurred. It certainly is, but I'm yeah, definitely on the fan side when it comes to the football this week. I'll let, all, I'll let everyone else uh, do the work. I think that's fair. Look, I've had a massive week myself, um, so... Apologies again for the delay of our last episode being released. But listen, Lockie and I both work full time. I was commentating the under 19 Women's World Cup uh, and it was in Spain. So with the time difference, I was working during the day and then commentating from anywhere from 7.45 p.m. to 9 p.m. And I think the latest I did was 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. Sometimes when we live this 24-7 life, something else has to suffer. So unfortunately, it was this episode, the last episode, episode 19 with Sharif Saipaya. Um, But it is up and hopefully you are enjoying it. We will post on socials as soon as we can to make sure that you know it's there. Thankfully, we have finally finished the regular season of NBL 1A for 2023. Round 18 wrapping up on the weekend and really pushed teams to the limit given that some teams had double headers. Uh, So... Lockie, you had the men to cover this week. Uh, would you like to start us off by going through the results? More than happy to. And this was a week where with one game left in the round, there was still a chance at a five-way tie for fourth place. That's how close it was. So we had all started off on Saturday afternoon with Canberra eking out a 92-87 win at home against the Sutherland Sharks. Hills just edged their way home against a manly side that pushed them all the way, 86-85 on the road up there on the beaches. Penrith fell 77-95 to the Central Coast Crusaders at home. Aubrey Wodonga and Maitland went to overtime and combined for 27 points in the extra five minutes. It was Aubrey Wodonga coming away with the 117 to 114 win. Newcastle got the 88-66 win over the Bankstown Bruins up there at Broadmeadow. Comets knocked off the centre of excellence in their in the uh, centre of excellence first game for a little while. It was 95-80 there at Alexandria. Inner West defeated Norse 87 78. 
in a battle of true title contenders. Centre of Excellence bounced back on Sunday to just edge home 77-74 against Hills at the Hive there in Castle Hill. Illawarra knocked off Canberra 91-78 to uh, finish their season on a high. And if this game had gone the other way, we would have had a five-way tie for fourth, but Norse were able to cement their spot in the top four with an 85-71 win over Comets. And then the late game, we had all the positions that had already been decided. Inner West getting a 93-86 win over Penrith. So if we turn to the ladder, it finishes with Centre of Excellence, top of the pops, 20-2. and two. Inner West second with 18-4. and four. Canberra getting the split over North, who both finished 15-7. and seven. So Gunners there in third, North in fourth. And then Sutherland, Hills, Maitland, and Newcastle all finished 14 and 8. Sutherland getting the tiebreaker to finish 5th. Hills in 6th, Maitland in 7th, and Newcastle in 8th. And interestingly, Newcastle finishing with the best uh, for and against percentage at 109.2, but not getting the results against the teams they were tied with and dropping to 8th. Doesn't matter how much you win by, you've got to beat the right teams when it comes down to these tiebreakers. Sutherland actually having the second lowest uh, for and against percentage of the four teams, but managing to secure that fifth spot and a trip to the Bear Cave for them on Saturday. So as you mentioned, Newcastle Falcons finishing in eighth position, their for and against percentage is 109.2. And if the ladder was purely decided on for and against percentage, that would actually put them at fourth, even ahead of North. If it was just points, yes, they've got the fourth best points percentage. Uh, what's really interesting too is that I tried to keep tabs on the ladder before and after round 18. And Sutherland Sharks before round 18 were eighth. And then they saw them, you know, swim all the way up to fifth spot. So would you rather be playing North or would you rather be playing Centre of Excellence? Given that Centre of Excellence had quite a wobbly weekend. Yeah, um, Centre of Excellence a bit low on uh, personnel as well. I think they only ran with eight on the weekend. So, yeah, ordinarily you wouldn't say, oh, yeah, I'd rather play first than fourth. But if you look at just the last week alone, those Centre of Excellence boys um, had a lot of bit of game time. They had to, uh, you know, go to those Global Academy games. I think they played six games over there, maybe more. And they were split across two teams. Some of them filled in for the NBA Global Academy. So plenty of playing time under their belt, plenty of travel. Maybe a week just getting their legs back underneath them on home turf was what they needed. And travelling with a smaller roster, a roster that uh, is missing the likes of Alex Condon, Ben Henschel, Jensen Breidke. Uh, we haven't seen Rocco Zakarski for weeks uh, so we, we did anticipate that COE's roster was going to change, but we I think we were still hoping that they'd have some stability in their leading scorers like Tui going into the finals. So it's a big question mark to see who's suiting up for the elimination final next week. 100%, but I tell you what, if uh, Johnny Furphy's on the court, I've got every chance because he is on fire at the moment. Get out of his way. If you value your oh. safety, just get out of his way. <laughs> Definitely. He um, almost did structural damage to the uh, court up there. At, uh, was it the Hills that he did it? Correct. Yes, yes. that monster dunk. And it was uh, a lot of people on Twitter, they caught their attention, that big dunk. 
people calling for Furphy to be in the next stars program with the NBL and considering Zakarski and Tui have headed in the same direction, I wouldn't be surprised if that was in Furphy's fate or some stage. You know, the level of college offer he's getting as far as, you know, what we've heard, NBL probably got their eye on him as well. Probably have for a little while. So you mentioned with that four-way tie for fifth to eighth place, I think what was really interesting for me, particularly with those teams that were caught up in the tie, is that with the exception of Newcastle and Maitland, those teams only played each other once during the season. So just showing how valuable and how important those one-off games are in the long run when you want to get you need to get a split. You say you're lucky enough to play with all due respect Hornsby or Penrith or Manly twice and get a couple of wins, but yeah, if it comes down to the end of the season, you haven't got the wins against the teams around you, it can uh, come back to bite you. Fortunately, nobody missed finals on a tiebreaker, but they certainly haven't given themselves the easiest road. And i got to give a quick shout-out to the Albury-Wodonga Bandits men's team who made a real kind of comeback at the end of the season. They beat Maitland Mustangs in overtime at home, so a fantastic way for them to finish their season, winning that game 117 to 114. And there were some big numbers in that game, Lockie. So I think uh, the Bandits fans would have really enjoyed that as well. It would have been a big showcase, a great high to win, an overtime game, a bit of a fairy tale to end a season. It's been a tough old season for the Bandits. Uh, for the second season running, you know, it hasn't really fully clicked for them. I think we expected more from them last season and maybe this season as well. But yeah, finishing on a high at Maitland. Both men's and women's team finishing 14 and 8. Very solid program up there in the Hunter. Yeah, making the case very strong for Newey Basketball to have a WNBL and NBL team as they've been pieing for for years now. But this weekend I was responsible for covering some of the women's competition and it all kicked off on Friday the 21st of July where Albury Wodonga Bandits hosted the Sydney Comets in a makeup game that was postponed from earlier in the season due to health and safety protocols. So Albury really needed to win at least one or two of this weekend. And the first game they went, they lost to Comets also in overtime, uh, 95 to 101. Then Manly hosted Hills Hornets and they won at home 93 to 36. Penrith Panthers hosted the Central Coast Crusaders and lost 53-68. Bandits backed up again in their tough weekend and had to play Maitland Mustangs, but this time getting the win, 71-67. to 67. Canberra Nationals played Sutherland Sharks at Belconnen and lost 78-92. Newcastle Falcons had the Braggstown Bruins at home and won 79-63. Inner West Bulls had a tough day at the office at home against North Bears, losing that one 33-100. North Bears then backed up with a tough game against Sydney Comets on the Sunday and they won at home 101-80. to uh, Inner West Bulls were back at home again for the final game of the season uh, against Penrith Panthers and also finishing on a high note, winning 57-47. to And then to cap off round 18 in the women's competition for 2023, Illawarra Hawks versus Canberra Nationals at the Snake Pit. The Hawks going down 56 to 104. 
So the ladder as it stands after round 18, again mentioning that Sydney Comets and Albury Wodonga had must-win games to ensure they made the top eight. Manly Warringah still at number one uh, top position, winning uh, 20 games and two losses. Newcastle Falcons are second with a record of 19 and three. North Bears finished third with a record of 18 and four. Center of Excellence are fourth with a record of 16 and six. Sutherland Sharks uh, are fifth with a record of 15 and seven. Maitland Mustangs are sixth with a record of 14 and eight. Comets getting in there at seventh with a record of 13 and nine. And Aubrey Wodonga Bandits getting that spot in the top eight with a win loss record of 12 and 10. After all those tiebreakers in the men's, not a single tiebreaker in the women's top eight. In fact, the only tiebreaker in the entire ladder was for 14th, Penrith and Hills. Interesting the results um, because that Aubrey-Maitland game and Newcastle-Bankstown game were played at the same time. And if Bankstown had won that and Aubrey had lost, Bankstown would have qualified for finals. So it really came right down to the last half of the season for both teams at the same time. And you'd have to really focus on, if you're uh, playing for Bankstown or playing for Aubrey, you'd have to just focus on getting your game done and as much as you can to win your game without worrying about the results because you can't afford to put your fate in someone else's hands. And we, you know, we talked about that all season. You know, you had, we talked about that in the men's with teams like, um, you know, Illawarra and to a lesser extent, Albury, Wodonga and Comets, you know, they had to rely on someone like Newcastle or Hills dropping games that they just never dropped. In fact, I think Newcastle went off and won a couple of upset games in the end to keep themselves in finals. Control the controllables, do your own job, make finals. So for this episode, we decided we're not going to review any of the games from round 18. So instead, we decided to spend the episode discussing some of the elimination final matchups that we can expect next Mm. week. Um, Lockie, do you mind taking us through the quarterfinals uh, for next week and then maybe we'll have a bit of a chat about each one? So in the 1v8 game is the Centre of Excellence hosting Newcastle at the AIS Basketball and Netball Centre at 4pm on Saturday. The 2v7 matchup is Inner West taking on Maitland at 7pm Saturday at ELS Hall Park up there in Ryde. The 3v6 matchup is Canberra versus Hills at 7.30 on Saturday at what will be a noisy Belconnen Basketball Stadium. And then the 4v5 matchup, it is Norse v Sutherland there at the Bear Cave at 4pm on Saturday afternoon. Some very tantalising matchups coming up. Centre of Excellence and Newcastle Falcons. We did just quickly mention about how Centre of Excellence, a little bit of instability in their roster, uh, a lot of travelling and playing leading up to this quarterfinal. Oh, I should also mention, actually, last in round 18, Centre of Excellence, uh, their shooting percentage from the three-point line dropped to about 24% on average, which is, yeah, <laughs> your face says it all, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is very unlike them. Uh, I think that was certainly a, a, an issue. Uh, so given the uh, instability or the changes of roster, the intense couple of months that athletes have had, I think I feel like they might be lacking in a little bit of size and experience now with this new roster. Do you feel like Newcastle have a chance to really take it away from Centre of Excellence? They finished eighth, but they're a win away from third, really. 
Canberra and North finished 15 and 7, and Newcastle finished 14 and 8. That's just how close it is. The interesting thing is, COE, last time, they only met once this season. COE beat Newcastle 112-83, but Miles Cherry was out that game for Newcastle. So if you talk about size, the one time they've played, Newcastle didn't have their, you know, their premier big man in there causing havoc. I would not I would put very little stock in the result the last time these teams faced off. Interestingly from Newcastle, they've started going um with Komiaka Marmoy in the starting lineup the last couple of games, which are uh, we hadn't seen for most of the season. So that move up from Central Coast, paying paying dividends. Still I mean COE still had Henshaw in the lineup, Johnny Furphy going well. Uh Kai Savage or so I mean he had a twenty seven point game early in his stint. So still plenty of talent there on that COE roster. It's just, yeah, if they, how they're recovering from, you know, such an intense, you know, travel, big few games, come back. Are they actually back and settled and, you know, into their routine? Yeah, that's right. And for COE, uh, Bowen Beattie last time these two teams met, played 28 minutes and had a double-double with 10 and 10 and four assists. But I don't think he suited up this weekend either. Maybe he was on the bench, but nursing an injury perhaps. So hopefully a week's rest means that he can come back onto the court as well. Yeah, I mean, he's the kind of player they're going to need if they want to stop Miles Cherry going, you know, at, at full strength. Potential for an upset, but certainly won't count out the COE whatsoever. For second and six, it is Inner West Bulls versus Maitland. And I'm pretty confident that the last two times these teams met, Inner West was pretty much had their way with them. Inner West got up against Maitland on the back of Blake Morrow's 36-4-9 last time these teams met. It was 97-91. Inner West got up over Maitland. Blake Morrow, can he do it without the mullet? I forgot to mention that. When I was preparing for the episode today, I forgot to put under news, Blake Morrow is mulletless. Has he not heard the story of Samson? Exactly. That was my point exactly. It didn't look like it had the Samson effect in round 18. And so hopefully his strong performance continues. But maybe maybe he got his hair cut because it's business time now. We're getting into finals. This is business. That's you right. Yeah. You show up. you got to suit up. you got to look professional. Dress for the job you want. <laughs> yeah, and he wants the job of a champion. So maybe hence the haircut. We'll have to ask him when we see him. Inner West versus Maitland, two teams that we've reviewed throughout this podcast. Uh, two teams with that have potential for high scoring power and sometimes a little bit of passiveness on defense. When they put it together at the defensive end, they're all right. Hopefully, knowing what's at stake, I'll uh, ratchet it up a bit. But uh, not always the most defensive teams out there. Really looking forward to watching, uh, you know, Will Cranston Loud and Blake Morrow there in the backcourt. I just like the way these teams match up against each other. You know, they've got guys who love to compete in the paint. You know, CB, Higgins Titcher, Matt Gray, James Hunter. None, none of them minor contests, and some of them like, really like getting up high. So should be a lot of fun. James Hunter, he doesn't strike me as someone who uh, likes opposition players getting the better of him in the paint. Uh, then third versus six, Canberra Gunners hosting Hills Hornets. This one for me will heavily depend on who Hills Hornets, if that Hills Hornets have their full roster. They've also had quite a changing roster during the season, especially in the front court. Um, who is going to lock down Glenn Morrison? 
Well, it's funny you mention that because it was only a few weeks ago that I actually reviewed that Canberra Hills game that finished 88-65 in Canberra's favour, but the one shining light for Hills was the battle between Campbell Green and Glenn Morrison where Glenn didn't have his usual massive stat line. But as you mentioned, Hills not always with their um, full lineup and they've had um, Josh Carley in the starting lineup a couple of times lately. Uh, interesting to see if Brotherson gets the start there or if they stick with Carley. Depends how they feel about the matchups. And also in that last game between uh, Canberra and Hills, um, that was the game where Sean Montague uh, injured himself after 40 seconds and only played nine minutes. So, yes, it finished 23-point advantage to Canberra last time they met, but... You know, Sean Montague, he might not be worth 23 points, but he's probably worth enough points to have kept that game very, very close. Or perhaps even defensively challenge someone on Canberra Nationals to limit their touches and scoring opportunities. Because it looks like Sean Montague is back in action. He had 19 points against COE on Sunday. So he could be an X factor for, for Hills against Gunners this time. And as we know, finals basketball is completely different from regular season basketball. Oh, 100%, especially when you're coming up against a team that you only just played a couple of weeks ago. You know, it's fresh in your mind. You don't need to go back and think, oh, you know, it's been two months since we played them. Like if you're, you know, some of those matchups, like if Sutherland played Newcastle kind of thing at some point, haven't played them since round one. Uh, so, you know, Canberra and Hills, they'll be fresh in the mind exactly how they want to uh, approach this game, especially Hills, who are you know, looking to you know, overturn the result that they had last time. Then the final matchup for the elimination final is fourth place North Bears, fifth place Sutherland Sharks. This one, understandably being fourth and fifth, I am probably most anticipating. Um, I feel like this can go either way. There is something about particularly the Sutherland Sharks men's team that when it comes to finals time, some kind of magic happens. I don't know if it's morale, bravado. You of all people can perhaps give me insight as to something special happens sometimes at finals time for the Sharkies. Although last time I was up at North Sutherland watching them play in a semifinal, it didn't end well for the Sharkies. But that's uh, ancient history at this point. Of course, these teams met once this season. Norse got up 78-76 in a game. They led by 20. We actually had Angus Burke on the week after that game. And, yeah, so I think they were up there by 21 in the second quarter. Sharks came back and almost completed the comeback. That was also first game after Brennan Reimer was injured and out for the season. And they also didn't have Junior Madut, who is now back for Norse. And how do you think having this game at North is going to be an influence. Do you think it will have a big impact on the Sharkies or do you think they'll brush it off? Not concerned about them going into away environment. It's more, I've seen what the Sharks crowd can be for big games at home. It's a different, they're not going to be concerned about the environment up at North. It's just that they won't have the Sutherland crowd behind them that gets really gets up and about in those big games and those big moments. They've been around the traps. They, they, they can play in, in hostile environments and regularly do so. Players who play aggressively, whether they're, you know, whether not, not dirty, just aggressively in general, often get the, the crowds offside. You know, that's the player the crowd wants to rile up. And the Sharks have got players who love to take it to the rack, get a little bit of contact, 
and opposing fans don't always like that very much. And um, one of the few matchups for their uh, elimination finals in the men and the women is that Centre of Excellence and Norths are both hosting double headers. Yes, so the only two teams to uh, have both their only two associations or clubs, I guess, to have their teams finish top four. So uh, congratulations to uh, both of those, both those teams. Really interesting. So whether you're in Canberra or whether you're in Crow's Nest, you're in for absolute treat with a double header of elimination final. So, you know, Lockie, I think I might have to take a trip to North Sydney Indoor Sports Centre this weekend. I'll see you there then. Excellent. Let's do something fun. Freddie Webb said when we interviewed him, don't let us finish eighth. And unfortunately, well, if you're the rest of the teams, they didn't let Illawarra finish eighth. But who in the men is the team from the bottom four that you think people are like, I wish we didn't let them make finals? Who's, who's, who's your sneaky from the fifth to eighth? That's a tough question. And I say this as objectively as possible, but probably Hills. Hills? Well, they have, they've snuck. I mean, they they got the split on North this season and they beat Maitland and they ran in COE close this week. So I like it. What would, uh, same same question to you. Who would who do you think? I think Maitland is a sneaky one. Burnt after last year's grand final fourth quarter. Sutherland, I feel like they like were up around top four. It doesn't feel the same. Feels like everyone was like, yeah, they're making finals. But Maitland, down in seventh now, people are like, oh, we finished second and we got to play them. We finished top and we got, you know, we finished third next week and we got to play them. That's a, that's a good point, actually. And if I look roster to roster now, I think about it, Maitland to Hills, I think Maitland have a lot more depth and perhaps could have gone further, whereas Hills had definitely had a talented roster and I think were just coached well enough in a way that got them a top final spot. So I will retract that against Hills. But maybe, maybe it's probably because I underestimated them for that fact that I'm like, yeah, you've got some good players, but it was just how they, they put the pieces together. So props to them for that, actually. I mean, if you were in a league where you got a three-game series, that coaching could be the deciding factor where you get the chance to go against the team again and again and learn. It's going to be tough, yeah, for every team, really, that step up on one night against the team, keep your season alive. Whether you finished 20 and 2 or 14 and 8, or was it one of the women's teams finished with 12 wins and made it? Doesn't matter in the end, does it? If no. you end up, like you said, with 20, plus, 20 wins or 12 wins, you're all kind of like relatively on the same playing field now. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you can't make it to the final, uh, like to the grand final. It's kind of like when you go to uni and you just get passes the whole way through and then you interview against someone who gets HDs the whole way through. It doesn't even matter in the end. It depends who performs the best on the day of the interview. Um, anyway, t- tangent. That metaphor for me worked in my mind. I think that, I think that works. Yeah. 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 So shall we move on to the women's elimination final matchups? I think we should because there are some cracking matchups this week. Correct. So again, starting with Centre of Excellence, purely on the top of the list going by times, because Centre of Excellence finished fourth. So fourth place Centre of Excellence playing fifth place Sutherland Sharks in Canberra. Uh, Centre of Excellence haven't played a game for a while because they went to the under-19 World Cup last week and have now literally come home after a steep learning curve from the under-19s Women World Cup. 
if you're unfamiliar, the Australian Jams with a roster that was the majority of Centre of Excellence athletes went to the World Cup. Uh, personally, I think they were going to they were tipped to get top four. They unfortunately, for the first time ever, didn't make quarterfinals, but they did turn it around and managed to finish ninth, which was the highest possible placing they could have achieved. Straight into elimination finals against a Sutherland Sharks team who were kind of gelling at the right time, and Lauren Nicholson is just on fire. She certainly is, and she was on fire last time these teams played. She dropped 31 in a 33-point win for Sutherland over the COE last time these two teams met. That was down in Canberra as well. So she'll be back in familiar territory where she's played a hell of a game. I mean, she's already so accustomed to playing at a higher level given that she's played for the Opals already this year. I'm really excited to see her just get stuck into finals basketball. Um, But it'll be really interesting to see from COE who matches up against her. I think something that COE, like we've said in previous episodes, have an advantage over other teams is that inside presence. So the matchup between Isla Juffman's and Olivia White is going to be really cool. In terms of strength, and uh, Olivia White is still very high IQ under the basket, but Isla just having the edge in terms of footwork and scoring ability. So that's going to be very exciting. We talk about Sui having not played a game of NBL 1 in a month. I mean, who's going to be there? Is Jess Petrie available? Is Lara Somfai going to get more playing time after absolutely killing it at under 16's Asia Cup. A few questions to be answered there when they are trot out on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, there certainly will be a big question mark around their roster as well, actually. Um, And I don't think we'll be able to get any early indication about what that's going to look like. Uh, So the next game is third versus six North Bears versus the Maitland Mustangs. Also one that I think is going to be very close contest, but I think the Norse will have the edge on this purely based on playing experience as individuals and as a, as a unit. Yeah. Teams play, they, again, another team that's a, another matchup that's only played each other once this season. Seems to be a running theme. Uh, Norse got up by 23 last time these teams met, but that was before Maddie Washington had even joined Maitland. So they had Sydney Hunter, but they had not yet got Maddie Washington. Big change there for um, for Maitland since the last time these teams played. Did Norths have Jolene Anderson when they played last time? I don't think they would have because it was back in round three. No, there you go. So last time they met, you mentioned they didn't have Maddie Washington uh, and Norths didn't have Jolene Anderson either the last time they met. Yeah, so in fact they haven't had them for, yeah, because those two players have both been, they were very late signing, um, especially Washington, who actually signed pretty early, but um, just couldn't arrive until later on. Uh, I remember her being announced and then not being there for about another six weeks after she signed. Yeah, lots of change in the rosters. And of course, um, since that time, they've gained Maddie Washington of Maitland, but they've, uh, of course, lost Milo Oscovich over in San Diego. Very important changes in both rosters that are going to heavily influence that game. Um, and then we've also got second versus seventh. Now, this one, I think, of the Elimination Finals is the most interesting to me. This Newcastle, is. Sydney Comets. This is so big because the only reason Comets are seventh is because of how many games Shiloh Hill and Vanessa Panusas have missed. It's literally the only reason they're seventh instead of third or fourth or second. 
um, or even first, to be honest, because even their loss to Manly came when uh, was it when Panusas wasn't available. So, uh, but I will say that Newcastle defeated Comets when both Heal and Panusas were playing. 86-70, very early in the season. That is correct. I did have that in my notes that they have played twice and Newcastle have won both times, both with and without Panousis and Heal. Um, unsure if Heal is going to be there because she last round she played one of two games. The round before that she didn't play any games. Panousis I'm pretty confident will be there, but big question mark around Heal. Yeah, Newcastle really going in, in with the edge but also potential for an upset because it's a pretty close matchup. Oh, 100% is. Um, you know, that, that crowd up in Broadmeadow will certainly bring it, but um, it's not just Panousis and Heal. It's Crawshaw, K. Ruse and Piper Anderson have both improved as the season's gone on, um, particularly Piper Anderson. Uh, I'm just going to come right out and say it. She's probably one of my favourite players in the league to watch at the moment with her athleticism and her hustle. They keep saying, or we keep saying, everyone probably keeps saying that their roster looks a little, you know, threadbare. Doesn't seem to bother them. No, not at all. They're always that tough Newcastle as a club. And I I wonder in terms of matchups, uh, like you said, Jada Crawshaw, he's just been relentless on the boards the last few weeks. But so has Nicole Munger and Abby Curtin certainly has that capability. So those matchups are going to be really interesting, dominating the rebounds. But then the matchups and the guards against Heal and Panousis, I think their skill set offensively might outmatch who would be matching up with them against Newcastle one-on-one. But given that the COE did such a good job on Panousis when they blitzed the, the pick and roll screen, I wonder if Newcastle are going to do something similar and just blitz all pick and roll with Panousis and where Panousis and Heal are involved just to push them as far away from the basket as possible and to chew up some some time on the clock. If you know that those two stopping those two players is such an important part of the strategy to get the win and you've seen something that works and you think your players can execute it, go for it. And the last time, because, I mean, they may even just throw in the old triangle and two. That was the defense that... North, uh, when North played Sutherland in the Waratah Championship final years ago, what was it, 2018, 19? The, the, the Chelsea Schweiz Shiloh Hill team. Correct. So they played yeah. the Chelsea Hill, the Chelsea Hill, the Shiloh Hill Chelsea Schweer team mm. versus uh, a North team that didn't have Renee because she did her ACL in the semi. Mm. They went to a triangle and two uh, and beat them. And Muffy Loader just had a breakout game. She was amazing. So I wonder, triangle and two against Panousis and Heal. As I said, you got to do what works. If they come out in a triangle and two, well, thank you, Newcastle Falcons, for listening to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure Marty McLean has a pretty thorough plan. (laughs) He doesn't need us. Um, And the final matchup is one versus eight, Manly Warringah Seagulls versus Aubrey Wodonga Bandits, Saturday at 7 p.m. That's when I'm having a shower and putting my jammies on. But <laughs> seven, sure, 7 p.m. Um, slight exaggeration, by the way. I'm not that sad. This matchup could go either way. This doesn't feel like a 1-8 matchup. Um, I remember, was it, it was before Aubrey Comets at Comets, which I commentated. Sammy Mack, Emma Mahardy, I was milling about with them. Mahardy was like, they were just... She was just grumbling, oh, yeah, we lost to Hills and we lost to Illawarra. We should already have finals wrapped up. 
And it's like, they're, they're, they're a better team than their record states. They just need to stop losing these games that they should win. They're in a good position here because this isn't a game they're really expected to win, so they can't mess it up. Yeah, that's true. It's all or nothing. Just yeah. put it all out on the floor. And you're right. Aubrey Wodonga bandits have all the pieces to really go all the way. It's just about how to manage those pieces. And I think I have mentioned this in a previous episode. I think some people in that team are going to have to make sacrifices. They might not want to... They might not be able to take as many shots as they would want. Um, they have to refine their decision-making skills, I think, especially when you've got someone like Michaela Pivich, who has had four triple doubles now. You just need to feed her the ball and let her go to work. Everything should be going through her and you should be secondary. I mean, she she had not even arrived last time these teams met, which was uh Manly defeated Albury up there on the beaches 86-61 no Mallory Bates no Michaela Pivik they did have Molly Rice and Brody Page Theodore at that time who are uh, no longer haven't seen them for a few weeks I imagine out for the season yeah I think they're both injured unfortunately yeah and so, Casey Ardern was injured at some stage too yeah so a few missing but they have replaced those with Mallory Bates and Michaela Pivik who have been absolutely inspired signings for the Bandits so a lot of a lot of previous results here that probably maybe not to put a lot of stock in because the uh, lineups have changed significantly. Whilst Manly Warringah have had the most you know stable lineup of any team in the competition. Alex Delaney had a couple of weeks out, but apart from that, what have they done? They added Gracie Lee midway through the season, and aside from that, it's been the same team every week. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. They have had a very stable roster, and but they will be meeting a brand new, essentially a brand new to them, Aubrey team. I'm really interested to see. Hopefully this will be a matchup in the game. I can't guarantee it. But we talk so much about Michaela Pivich being the offensive asset that she is. And just an episode ago, we were talking about Antonia Henderson as the unsung defensive hero I mean, next to Kate Seaborn, but that's a given. She's cemented, <laughs> she's cemented in history. But Antonia Henderson, uh, unsung defensive hero of the league, I really hope those two match up at some stage. That would be so much fun. It would be ridiculously good to watch. I do, talked about, you know, when they throw Nicholson, when Manly played Sutherland, they throw everyone at Nicholson. But, you know, he gets put on these players where, you know, with WNBL credentials or higher honours than that even, and makes life absolute hell for them. For 35 minutes a night. And another matchup I'm really keen for is Ash Hannon and Kim Hodge or Mallory Bates, Kim Hodge. We, we always talk about how Kim Hodge isn't a true center. And well, I guess a lot of people talk about that, how Kim Hodge isn't a true center, but plays there and plays above her height. And can she do it against, you know, someone like Ash Hannon, you know, probably has the physical advantage over her. Or Mallory Bates, who just with the touch... Um, around the basket, so much length. If she gets the ball up high, she gets bigs and they bring the ball down. Mallory Bates doesn't do that very often. She gets it up high and it stays up there. If the shot doesn't get in, so be it. But at least you're not bringing it down and letting those pesky little guards get their hands in. Little pink pockets. Yeah, you know how that feels, don't you, Scooter? I do. That's why I have to learn to use, put out my elbows and everyone stays away. You don't have to swing them. You just have to put them out. That's enough to protect you. Matchups, center of excellence, Sharks. Is there any team, putting your question from uh, when we're discussing the men's elimination finals, any teams in this top eight of the women's where you're kind of like, yeah, 
kind of wish they didn't make it. Um, yeah, comets. Not the fact like that they didn't make that they made it. Just the fact they're down there in seventh, yeah. underperforming. Yeah, or not? I mean, they didn't really underperform that much. It was just a matter of you know, Shyla Hill went to uh, Asia Cup. Panusis was away for a couple of games. You know, they lost games there. Like that weekend, they played Newcastle and Aubrey Wodonga. If they had Shyla and uh, Ness for both those games, considering how well the team played in their absence, they'd probably be sitting there on 15 and 7 instead of 13 and 9. Ness and Shyla are both there. It's, yeah, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah, 15 and 7 would have put them up equal fifth with Sutherland. And so. they would have had the split on Sutherland because they absolutely mauled us in one game. They would have yeah. been fifth and Sutherland six. Well, hotly anticipated elimination finals. I cannot wait for finals to start. There is just something in the air at finals time that makes it feel so much different to regular season. But also it's been a long-ass season and I'm ready for some outcome. Three weeks. Everyone go hard. Get to Sydney Uni. Leave it all out there. Yes, and make some noise when we're there. I'm looking forward to that day very much so. All right, it's that time of the show where we have our All-Star 5 and the last All-Star 5 for the regular season now that Round 18's wrapped up. So, Lockie, what does the men's All-Star 5 look like this week? Well, it's a bit of an interesting one because there are a lot of players who started big and then fell away or had a slow start and then came up massively in their second game of the weekend. So, uh, we'll start off with a man who's making his uh, first appearance of the season. It's uh, Brody Schwarzer from Penrith. So he started he started slowly against Central Coast, had just 10 points, two rebounds, an assist, and three steals. But then he put the team on his back and almost got his Panthers boys a win against Hills, dropping 35, six rebounds, five assists, and three steals in a narrow 86-93 to 93 loss. So great effort by Brody Schwarzer. And another young man making his first appearance. It is Johnny Furphy from the Centre of Excellence, starting out with 18 points, 10 rebounds, and a steal in an 80 to 95 loss to Comets. And then against Hills, 30 points, 10 rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a dunk that probably set off seismographs around the Hills district in a 77 74 win. Next cab off the rank, it's your boy, AJ Lawton, with 29 points, four rebounds, four assists, and nine steals in a 95-77 win over Penrith. That is almost a double-double with points and steals. That's out there. He would have been annoyed he didn't get that 10th steal <laughs> as well. He would have been annoyed. He would have seen that and it's like, why didn't anyone tell me? Just out there flying around for the ball at every opportunity. Exactly. Uh, and then a regular feature in the All-Star 5, Will Cranston-Lown from Maitland. 28 points, 4 rebounds, 9 assists, also one off the double-double, and 5 steals of his own in a narrow overtime 114-117 loss to Aubrey Wodonga. And then I could have picked anyone. I could have picked Mike Parks. I could have picked Lockie Cummings. But I went with Jameer Coleman from Aubrey Wodonga for his 26 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, three steals, and two blocks, filling up the stat sheet 
in that 117-114 overtime win over the Maitland Mustangs. And you know what's really interesting stat actually from that game I forgot to mention earlier? The Aubrey-Wodonga Bandits got to the free throw line 36 times. That is a lot of free throws. A lot. And I think they shot like, I think they were like 26, 28 from 36. They shot really well. So So, over to the women's squin. All right. This week for the women's All-Star 5, we have some regular names and also uh, a player who will be in the All-Star 5 for the first time and technically the last. So first we've got Michaela Pivik from Aubrey-Wodonga Bandits. In her game against Comet, she had 18 points, six rebounds, nine assists, almost another triple-double. But she saved that instead for the next game against Maitland Mustangs where she had 16 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and three steals. This week, uh, another player who had a very big double-header, which was who was Vanessa Panousis from Sydney Comets. She had 26 points, three rebounds, three assists against uh, the Bandits. And then the next day against the North Bears, she had 26 points again and five rebounds and five assists on that occasion. Then also from the Comets this week is Shyla Hill. Against the Bandits, she had 30 points, five rebounds, two assists and three steals. And coming back into the All-Star 5 after a long absence is Jolene Anderson from North Bears, who had 31 points, five rebounds, three assists and six steals against the Sydney Comets on Sunday. And the player who has made it to the All-Star 5 for the first time and technically the last, which will make sense when we do news and gossip, is Bianca Dufumaya. Against Illawarra this weekend, she had 30 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists and 4 steals, which is a hell of a stat line. And a perfect segue into the news and gossip section, Lockie. So, well, actually, first, seems to be the end of the regular season, Squin. Yeah. Let's let's do a countdown of the players who we've featured most in the All Star Five. Give everyone their due. Let's. That's a great idea. Let's do it. I'm excited. So we'll go with players who have four or more appearances this season. So on the women's side, Emily Simons and Shyla Hill with four appearances apiece. Emma Mahardy, Michaela Domkins, and Michaela Pivik with five appearances apiece. On six appearances apiece, Lauren Nicholson, Violet Morrow, and Vanessa Panousis. And Squin, can you guess who has eight appearances? Oh, eight appearances. Nicole Munger. It is. Our very first guest, Nicole Munger from Newcastle. Eight appearances in the All-Star Five. Whilst on the men's side, four appearances apiece. Hayden Blankley and AJ Lawton. Five each. Will Cranston-Lown, Dave O'Hickey, Ryan Beastie by name, Beastie by nature, and Chris C.B. Bryant. Jameer Coleman edged into outright second this week with his sixth appearance and seven appearances, Squin. Can you guess who it might be? Seven appearances in the men. Glenn Morrison, the Brenda no. Bell. Oh. Glenn has three. Oh, okay. It is the stunning mullet, Blake Morrow. Oh, Blake Morrow, of course. <laughs> the stunning mullet, the now mulletless Blake Morrow. 
Yes, Glenn Morrison. So Glenn Morrison tied with Miles Cherry, Noah Pagotto, Brennan Reimer, Ben Henshaw, and Alex Higgins Titcher on three. We were all players who feel like a lot of weeks they just miss out. They're always, you know, unlucky to miss. They're the uh, consistent players. Might not always put up the big numbers, but you know they're going to drop something good. I love that you put that together, Lockie. That's awesome because I bet there's probably people who listen that were thinking the same thing. But anyway, we can have our own MVP awards based on our All-Star fives. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so glad you put that together. Thanks for doing that, Lockie. That's really cool. So that's rounding off the All-Star 5 uh, for round 18. Will we do something similar for the finals? Oh, I think we might. We'll have to figure something out for we'll finals. figure something out. Figure something yeah. out. Okay, so it is now the last segment of our regular programming, I guess I could say, before we head into our player interview, which is the news and gossip section. So as I just quickly mentioned uh, with Bianca Dufemeyer, indicating that it will be her first and last time in the All-Star 5. Can you shed a little bit more light, Lockie, as to why it will be her last time? She's hanging them up. I can't believe it. Can't believe it. No, so, yeah, uh, all over socials. Um, if you follow pretty much any Canberra Nationals player or Canberra Nationals adjacent person, you would know that, yeah, Bianca Dufelmeyer retiring after her 30-piece against Illawarra I think if you're going to drop a 30 piece maybe you need to uh reconsider yeah I think so like at least she got to go out on a very high note with a near 50 point win and a huge stat line like she did but Bianca Dufelmeyer for those that don't know Canberra native uh she spent two years at the University of Alabama of Birmingham and she also spent some time playing WNBL and I think Seaball for Bendigo yes and I did reach out to her today because I wanted to feature feature her retirement on the NBL One show and get a comment from her. But unfortunately, I got it a little bit too late. So I'll read it out now. But Bianca said, as a Canberra local, it's pretty incredible coming home to finish up my career in my hometown under the guise of Natalie Hurst. It's been a rocky few years trying to hold on to the game I love with a body taped together every which way. But it's time to hang up the shoes and see where uh, what else is out there. I've been immensely blessed in the opportunities basketball has provided me over the past two decades and finish up against an old rival at the snake pit alongside the women in the 2023 Canberra Nationals team made for a sweet, bittersweet ending. So there you go, official statement. Official statement? Yeah. Who first? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I first really started getting into college basketball and writing about it, uh, that was when Bianca was at UAB. Um, so, I mean, we interacted a bit on Twitter. Um, yeah, always been really cool person. So, yeah, best of luck to you, Bianca. I know that you've commentated in the past. Would love to see you back in the commentary box because we very clearly need a lot more female commentators and broadcasters, not just in our league, but in the NBL one in general. So hopefully we'll see you next season in the commentary box. Same with uh, Sarah McCappian. She had a had a go at this commentary box for the Nationals this year. So I hope both of them give it a go. Would be great to see because um, National Finals commentators dropped this week. And uh, not a lot of women on the roster, unfortunately. And that's 
as much to, I think that's more to do with the quantity of women commentators out there than the quality. Yeah, I agree. I think we have to work on the quantity first and then refine the quantity, the quality. Uh, so yeah, as Lockie mentioned, those who applied to commentate at NBL One Nationals have been informed whether they made the cut or not. Unfortunately, Lockie and I didn't make the cut this year. To be fair, they only picked one person from each conference outside of the host, which is Western Australia. So, Correct. Um, so the they picked eight commentators altogether, four understandably being from Western Australia, given that A, they're the host city, um, and also there's going to be four teams from NBL One West because the two title holders from the inaugural NBL One Nationals are playing in this year's Nationals and they just so happen to both be from Western Australia. So it makes sense that half of your commentary crew are from uh, from Perth. But also this year NBL One are actually paying for commentators' flights and accommodation. So the other four spots went to one person per conference and someone from East has been picked we won't say who it is because we want them to have the opportunity to share uh, the good news with people and let them enjoy the moment of sharing their good news. But to you, uh, lucky commentator who's going to nationals, congratulations and best of luck over there. You're going to have the best time and the best experience and go and represent East well. Um, and speaking of other commentary news, actually, the NBL One East Finals and those who are the successful applicants have been approached. Um, so the Basketball New South Wales are just waiting to see if they will confirm and commit. And then there may be an announcement in the next couple of weeks of who is commentating. Or at least maybe we might be able to share the news. Also, it's not me because I'm going to the Soccer World Cup. Yeah, so it's not Lockie because he's going to the Soccer World Cup. <laughs> um, the only other, have you got any other news before I continue, mate? Um, I've got two pieces of news. Uh, so if you remember a few months ago, Squint and I were lucky enough to commentate the Uni Sport 3x3 Nationals in which Sydney Uni did the double. Well, they've gone one better and done the double at the Oceania Championships and they'll be off to the uh, 3x3 Uni World Cup, which is in October. Um, host is not yet uh, named for that. But on the men's side, uh, there were three NBL1 players, Mitch Smith from Hills, Mikey Young from North, and Maddie Waitcher from Comets. Whilst on the women's side, we had Penrith's Meg Jefferson, uh, Alex K. Roos from Comets, Carla Pittman and Holly Wills, both from North. Um, yeah, so good luck to both of those teams over in uh, wherever it ends up being held. Uh, University of Wollongong women, who uh, had that magical run at nationals, ended up finishing fourth. So that was Sutherland's Mia Bruce and then Illawarra's Maddie Delaney and Mel Kirby. Ella Dent was also part of that team, but I don't think know if I saw her play. Of course, she had that injury earlier in the season, which has kept her out of NBL 1. Fourth at... Uh, Oceania Championships isn't too bad playing against teams from New Zealand and New Caledonia. But yeah, that's excellent work from you, Sid. Uh, they also had a successful season in the UBL, I think both making the finals uh, for the regular five-on-five competition. Can't remember if they, I think they both got silver. 
I think they did both get silver in the end. But nonetheless, a very successful season for that UCID basketball program. So congratulations to those talented NBL One East athletes. And what else have you got for me? I'm excited to see what the next piece of news is. Well, last week we were talking about the kids at under 12s, Div 3 girls, Sutherland, who made a wonderful sign for me and then won their semi-final. Well, this week they did one better. They were one of two Sutherland under 12 girls teams to win the grand final because not only did under 12 girls D1 get up, so did my under 12 D3 girls get up in their grand final with a 59-48 win over Comets. And one player had an absolutely monster game in the grand final. So in a 59-48 game, Harper Skelsey dropping 33 of a team total of 59 in a grand final. 33 for a 10, 11-year-old is insane. There we go. So congratulations to my new favourite team, the Sutherland Under-12 D3 girls. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I really hope one day that we see them playing NBL 1 East or even further and they can reflect on this moment. That would be cool. The only other piece of news I've got is uh, just on the side note, uh, Noah Pogotto this week also posting another big dunk on social media and getting the attentions of people who work at Hoops Capital. Uh, and I had a bit of a Twitter exchange about said dunk informing the people at Hoops Capital that Noah has signed to go to uh, Texas. And they said, well, maybe he should just be a DP in the NBL one instead, in the NBL instead. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. Uh, so I thought that was a, a nice little piece of uh, gossipy conversation about Noah because we're big fans, big fans oh, of how he plays. We love Noah. We love Noah. And um, I mean, all the Hoops Capital guys are from Illawarra, so. <laughs> you know, that's actually a really good point. Yeah, so they should be keeping an eye on some Illawarra talent, even though Noah is originally from, I think, Port Macquarie. But he is. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, and the only other thing I want to mention is that Michaela Pivik and Maddie Washington from Albury Wodonga Bandits and Maitland Mustangs, respectively, they both went to Oregon State University and were both freshmen in the 2016-2017 season. And now they have cross paths again, Lockie, in the game over the weekend uh, where they did, I guess, a little bit of a singlet swap in inverted yeah. commas, on social media. Yeah, a, jer- a, jer- a temporary jersey swap after their game. I um, think they're going to need those jerseys back for finals, but uh, maybe they can do a permanent swap after the season. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was great to see because they were actually both, that that period for Oregon State was such a good period for Oregon State basketball. It's, I mean, they built up into one of the, the bigger programs over there, particularly in the Pac-12. Um, and yeah, two players that I'm sure... All Oregon State fans look upon fondly, and I'm sure so do Aubrey Wodonga and Maitland Mustangs fans look upon each one of their beeves quite fondly too. Excellent. And we love those full circle moments, especially given their two imports. I mean, of all the leagues in the world you can play and of all the colleges that you could come from, it's so nice that they could cross over in MBO One East. And what I really liked, and who actually brought this to my attention, was Oregon State's Instagram themselves. They recognised it and put up a lovely post on their social media pages and uh, that was what brought my attention to it. And I, I really liked that they did that considering 
Uh, both Michaela and Maddie had played so long ago, but they're still part of the Beaver family. It wouldn't surprise me if um, they were alerted to it because Aubrey Wodonga have done a really good job at, you know, keeping the college teams in the loop, um, you know, tagging the colleges of their imports. Um, uh, when I got my photo with Michaela Pivik after the Aubrey Comets game, they actually shared it and tagged Oregon State in it. So, and that's such a good way to keep people in like to get exposure for the league because American college fans will ride or die with their players forever. People who were watching Michaela Pivik in 2016, there are going to be player people getting up at all hours of the night to tune into Aubrey Wodonga games if they care. Because it's just that's just what the culture is. You know, if a player goes to your college and becomes a fan favorite, that that doesn't end when they walk out the door for the last time with a degree. That stays for their entire career. Uh, but anyway, that wraps up the regular programming for Escott Game. Also, congratulations to us for making twenty, making it to twenty episodes. Because as Freddie Webb said a few episodes ago, apparently podcasts very rarely make it to twenty episodes. But here we are. That's the advantage of covering a league that has 18 rounds plus finals. So we didn't really have a choice. Um, But I guess we could have quit at any time, but we chose to stick around. And uh, coming up next, we have a really great interview with one of the, I think just one of the most wholesome sweethearts of the league, Lockie. And I think you would agree. I 100% agree. So uh, stick around for that because I'm sure you enjoy it. And uh, yes, we'll be back soon. And welcome to the interview portion of Escott Game this week. We have a very special guest and someone who is a guest probably at a very important time of the season. So this athlete is a region regional-based female athlete who has gone from anywhere from the Maitland to the Central Coast to Mount Gambia to Canberra and back. Uh, she has been a standout since a junior. She played for New South Wales in under-20s, and she's also a WNBL champion. It is none other than Shakira Riley. Hi, Shaq. Hello. <laughs> How are you guys? Very good. Thank very you. Very good. good. How are you feeling today, uh, Monday after a big road trip to Albury? Did you have a, ta- a chance to recover um, most of the day today? Yes, I was lucky enough to have this Monday off, so can't complain about that. was a big weekend, though, so much needed. In finals now, so definitely uh, time to rest up and go you know, gung-ho for the last three weeks of the season. So big big road trip, certainly a, a tough way to finish the regular season. Yeah, big time. And uh, coming into finals, it's very exciting. It's very different basketball now coming into finals. Um team step it up that bit more so it was a nice one to finish on that little road trip but um yeah it's time to get into the the sticky end now so and of course it is your first season back at Maitland after your time away down at Canberra and then Mount Gambia for a couple of years so why was the time right for you to come back to Maitland this season um well my time down south I did love it Mount Gambia love the place the people everything about it uh wasn't anything I guess specific that made me decide to come home other than just um my personal and mental health reasons at the time um and knew where I was at that point in time wasn't where I wanted to be helped make the decision to come home and reset uh the right one at that point in time I think and now mental health being such a big 
thing in sport, obviously making that decision was was for mine to, yeah. Uh, you can have a, a support group around you when you're interstate, but I guess it's not the same as having, you know, the family and friends you've known forever around you as well. 100%. And I'm very much a family person, so um, having my family around is a big, big thing for me. Um, and I've got myself a little dog now, so... Um, having her with me as well at all times is is needed too. <laughs> dog mum. <laughs> How is that dog mum life treating you in Maitland? Good. I love it. It's um, She's so cute. I actually can't love her enough. She's so, so gorgeous. I actually took her to the beach today, so I think she's happy with me. And uh, because as we mentioned in the introduction, you also spent some time with the UC Caps, uh, like I mentioned, WNBL champion, which is uh, pretty good to have on your resume. And uh, at the start of the year, you and I were talking uh, when we went to a Flames game about some other WNBL opportunities you had, but like you said, um, just wasn't the right time for you right now needing to return home to look after yourself. But is WNBL still a goal of yours to return to? Big time. Um, Yeah, it always has been a goal, especially since experiencing down with the Caps um, with the group that I did last time. you sort of just get that little rush and you just want to keep going and chasing that goal. So it definitely is. And once season rolls back around, you sort of get the touch of it a little bit again and you're like, oh, yep, I want to want to strive for that again. So definitely is what I'm hoping for again. Because going from MBL 1 to WNBL looks easy on paper, but when you uh, are playing at that level from, you know, a top-tier NBL uh, 1 player to a DP in WNBL, physically and skill-wise, it's actually quite a big jump. So what were some of the things you were surprised by when you uh, started playing and training in WNBL level? Yeah, just the um, the constant effort, I guess, at training um, and needing that 100% all the time mentally and physically. I think mentally it's a lot harder um physically like we all know how to play basketball and things like that but um being around like such professional athletes and how they do things so differently to that level under it's just yeah great to be around you learn so much of course we can't really uh talk about WNBL especially with someone from where you're from without talking about the rumors of a Newcastle WNBL team that keep floating about they're your arch rivals but they're still close by um is that it's does that excite you the idea that there might be a team close to home one day oh 100% I think that rumor has been going for quite some time now but um I hope it's getting closer and closer to the time uh and we say rivals I guess we've all grown up with each other in this area so it's that friendly uh rivalry now which is nice but yeah that home close to home WNBL team would be unreal and I think especially for people I guess like Izzy Palmers and things that are currently over in the states killing it for them to come home and have somewhere like that would be also I think a good thing for them and the young ones looking up to yeah I think I've interviewed over my years five or six Newcastle players and the the response is either yes or if they're playing for another WNBL team it's like no comment but kind of (laughs) they can't really yeah that's fair um because and you mentioned as well it would be really important to have like a WNBL team in Newcastle and Newcastle being the club I think with the most members Newcastle also being a regional team but also a massive basketball club who have access to people who are even more regional like Tyree and around those types of areas Growing up in playing in Maitland, you actually had to come to Crusaders for, and Rebels for a little while 
um, to play 18s. Was that correct? Yes. Yep. So I was doing uh, my last junior year with Rebels and playing seniors for the Crusaders at the time too. But then I was also doing my NITP with Newcastle and Marty. Um, He was awesome enough to let me jump in with them as well down there. So um, they're all great down here and all the clubs have all sort of stuck together with a lot of different things. And I think having that that senior program as a WNBL or even NBL around this area would definitely bring a good um, crowd and people around for sure. Because was that just not available for you at the time when you were doing 18s and 20s? Yeah, uh, at so, Maitland, like um, having NITP and stuff. It was um, at that time in eighteens. Um, I think I just needed that that bit more at the time uh, to sort of grow. I hadn't made a state team or things at that point in time, and I knew that was my goal and what I wanted to do. And to get better at that point in time, I think that's why that choice was made for me to go that next step. And having Drew Fenton at the time as my coach, he was amazing. Uh, and he really helped me grow as a player as well. I mean, Drew just won NBL One North Coach of the Year, didn't he? So, bit of pedigree there. Yes, I did see that. Um, definitely well deserved. There's no doubt that he got that. So, that's really, really awesome for him. And I think in other like uh, interviews on other podcasts, I think Jazz Forkadil has even gone on record saying that Drew Fenton was a big part of her development as a junior. Definitely. he. So I remember before I actually made the decision to go to Gosford, I was travelling down there beforehand just doing individuals with him because I just found him such a good coach. Um, and then the opportunity came up to trial under him for the under-18s team and I just thought at the time, like, why not? Yeah, and it was probably the best thing I did at that time. Definitely grew a lot. And you won a state championship, didn't you? We did. We went through and won uh, all the CPL rounds and the state champs. I think our names are on the little board at the stadium still, which is nice. (laughs) So, I mean, you talk about having to, you know, bounce around Central Coast, Newcastle, but you're back at Maitland now. And, I mean, what what does it mean to lead your hometown team, team, especially to finals, given, you know, the team's struggled a bit over the last few years? Yep. Um, homes, yeah, Maitland's always home, so it's always really nice uh, to come back and play in front of that home crowd and with people in, with the likes of um, Rachie Williams and things who I've grown up playing with since under-12s. It's awesome to be able to come back and play with all those girls. Uh, I think obviously where we are right now, I think it was a little bit unexpected going into finals, but I think once we got to a point in final, like in the season where we were getting wins under the belt, mindset sort of switched and we're like, oh, we can do this. So now we've got that opportunity. We're just going to run with it. And it's it's really awesome to do that with the girls that we've got in the group. Because that group and uh, the women's program, senior program at Maitland have a history of being successful in the state league competition. But is this the first time the women's program have reached the finals for Waratah slash MBL1 level? Uh, yes, we've actually had a lot of talk about that this season with uh, Mark and the girls. Uh, we've made a lot of history this season coming into the, the senior females program in Maitland. Uh, I believe it's the first time the girls made finals um, or got the amount of wins that we have in 22 years or something. Uh, it's a pretty pretty cool achievement to be a part of that. Yeah, because I think the last success they had was as a netball team during the uh, during the pandemic. Yeah. When they uh, went and played Maitland A-grade netball. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, you're right. 
<laughs> they killed that. That's so funny, Lockie. I completely forgot about that. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> they were all banned from netball this year, that's for sure. <laughs> Club's got more important things to worry about now. You didn't take the opportunity to introduce netball to your import, Sydney Hunter and Maddie Washington? <laughs> Not yet. That might be a off-season thing for them. We'll wait till uh, finals are done now, Squinny. But they've heard a lot about it, that's for sure. <laughs> But yeah, keep them around for a little longer for the off season. We'll introduce them maybe. And um, just a side note too, because your men's team have also reached the NBL One East Finals for this year. Is there any rivalry or any bets placed between your team and the men's team to see who will go further? <laughs> um, no, there hasn't. There has been a few fans though. I will say that have. Um, commented on they've enjoyed watching the women this year quite a bit. So I'll take that. We'll take that any day of the week. But the men are doing awesome as well. So I think that everyone's just happy for each other and uh, the community's happy for both of us to do so well. So it's really awesome. But you knew uh, Miller was going to leave for college and at the time you were just inside the top eight. So did the team have any discussions about stepping up in her absence given her key role in the team? Uh, I think from the start of the season, knowing the date and things of when Mill was going to go um, sort of allowed us that time over the season to build our roles and know where we were going to have to step up and things like that, knowing we're going to lose such a big role in Mill. So there wasn't, I guess, any big discussions once she left. It's just been an overtime of the season, um, knowing where we're going to have to step up, especially defensively for us with that extra length with Mill and things. She does so well there for us. So missing that little bit there, we've all had to sort of step up. I mean, you you have really stepped up. You know, it's probably, you've, uh, you know, you knocked off Sutherland, you knocked off Comets without her. So, you know, the team's really, really looks locked in. Yeah, I think, like I said before, I think – during the season, it just got to a point where we were like, something's flicked and we were like, okay, no, we can really do this. So um, we've had a lot of things thrown at us, but with the mentality of the group and the culture, it's been great. And I think we just believe in each other so much and we've still got Mill with us watching all the games and, you know, giving her little pep talks and things. So she's still still here for the ride. It's just um, she had to leave a little bit sooner, but yeah. And you mentioned the really good team culture. Um, it's very obvious on and off court that you guys have a great bond. So was that something that was cultivated in preseason or something that happened naturally over the course of the season? Um, I think it's sort of been built across the season. Each year I think Maitland's always had like a good culture. Like all us girls have always gotten along so well. Uh, this year though we've just been lucky with our two imports as well. They've just gelled so um, so easily with the group. Um, so they're just great humans on and off the court. Um, so that's just allowed it to sort of gel a lot more naturally as well. Uh, and you'll probably see sometimes down these last couple of games, especially I think in the Newcastle game, the commentators might even commented, but we were all just still smiling. We're in a huddle and we're all telling each other to just smile. And it was just so nice and um, wholesome at that point in time. Like it was a pretty close game, but for us girls to have that mentality and just still to enjoy it at that time was was pretty cool. And, I mean, speaking of the imports, you know, as you said, Maitland, you've got those girls who have all played together forever and now the the club's gone out and helped you get those two imports. Does it, it really feel like the association, I guess, from the business side is really getting behind the team? 
Yeah, definitely. I feel a lot this year that um, they're really pushing the female teams along and a lot of our junior teams are getting a lot more involved on game days and things, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, But a lot of credit to Mark too on, I guess, finding those two girls at the start of the season. He did a lot of work um, in getting them to come with to, to our club. So um, big credit to him there and obviously allowing the club, the club allowing him to get them here as well. Where, when Sydney and Maddie arrived, your two imports, was MBL1 what they expected um, and what do you feel like they have enjoyed the most about the league so far? Um, I think it was obviously they've both played college basketball so they're used to that high level um, of intense sort of basketball and then Sid also played over in Turkey for a little bit. So I think the level and standard of the NBL one, they definitely were ready for it and I think they've just enjoyed, honestly, they're both, I think a lot of, you know, our social events is probably <laughs> that uh, makes them enjoy a lot of the off-the-court stuff and like I said before, on court, we just play so much as a team and especially now coming into this back end, we've had that bit extra time to gel and things. I think just how we are as a team now on court with that, I think that just is what they're enjoying and going that bit further than what we expected now into finals as well. And talking of finals, it's uh, got Norse this weekend, uh, big game. So travelling down to the Bear Cave. Lost to them heavily last time. You've had beaten some other – like you beat, you've knocked off Newcastle, as I mentioned earlier, knocked off Sutherland and Comets. How, how do you come into this game? How do you approach it? Uh, look, yeah, the last game that we versed them, I think it was the second game of the season. So it was very early days when we did have North last time. And I think now we're a very different team to what we were then, just um, in growth-wise. And obviously now we've added the likes of Maddie in and things like that as well. Um, I just think it's whoever's going to turn up on the day. I think obviously Norths are always a very strong side and they always have been uh, throughout juniors and, and everything. But I, I do think this top eight coming into finals, anyone we've sort of seen throughout the season can sort of knock anyone off on the day. It just depends who wants to turn up and do what they've got to do on the day. So hopefully that's us on sad day, but just in for a good game and respect all the teams like I said, Norths are amazing and always have been. So it'll just be if we can follow the scout and do the things, little things right. It's funny you mentioned Maddie because on my notes for the game, the first thing I have written down is previous meeting, 7350, pre-Maddie Washington, because she wasn't <laughs> there at the time. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll have her, hopefully, a little secret weapon. Not so secret because everyone knows she's here now, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> something a little different to spice it in there, yeah. And what about your personal preparation? I imagine that sometimes you must feel a little bit of pressure in these situations. So how do you mentally prepare now that you've matured a lot over your career? I'm probably my uh, hardest critic. I'm very hard on myself when it comes to my personal game. Um, so there's always times where like people ask what I can be better at and I always say that, can be always improving so leading into finals I just think having the girls and being around each other this week and keeping that culture and that sort of relaxed feel to it is what's going to be best instead of yeah sort of getting too hyped up and playing the game before we get there just to keep that relaxed sort of feel within the team is what's needed I think and for me personally 
I need to stay relaxed, otherwise <laughs> get too hyped up. <laughs> what about physical preparation as well? Because some people going into finals will like to do some extra work, you know, get up extra shots, uh, do extra injury prevention, do extra recovery um, for a big game. But then others like to do completely opposite. So it is, you know, like you said, it doesn't psych them out too much. Do you have the same physical preparation or do you change it up for finals? I like to keep it the same. So we've been lucky enough this year to have Drew as our strength and conditioning coach and a few of us see him throughout the week, quite a few times a week, and he's helped with like injury prevention and um, our strength and conditioning, like I said. Uh, So we'll have our sessions with him and we also have our team sessions like normal. Then that individual extra shooting is up to you. Um, for me, I'll just try and keep it as same as possible. So like I said, I don't overdo it and sort of play the game before we get there or sort of go into the game thinking, oh, I should have gone in and shot that extra half an hour after training or something. So just sort of keep it the same as I have throughout the season, but yeah, not change it up too much. And so if not Maitland to win the NBL One East title for 2023, who are you tipping for the women's competition? Ah, this is going to be a one of the hardest questions I think to answer. I'm always a country girl through and through, so I think it's always nice to see one of the country teams get the dub. Honestly, I've got a lot of mates throughout the whole crew, so even seeing like Manly, they've done so well all season and they play so, so well as a team, I think they would also be very deserving of it at the end. But I think, yeah, like I said, I'm a country girl, so I like to see the country teams, but no one specific. I, I love everybody. Maybe <laughs> maybe should have maybe should have framed this as who are Maitland going to beat in the grand final? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I want to yeah. see Maitland so bad, but you said not Maitland. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm happy for whoever ends no, up winning. I think all the teams this year, like they've all been great games to play and everyone's been great sports. So at the end of the day, I think whoever gets it, is very deserving of it. Away from basketball, you've uh, started working at a new gym in Maitland. Social media tells me that you're you're enjoying it. What what's the story? What's the story with the with the new gym? Yeah, so I was lucky enough. So while I was away, I did my personal training studies, cert three and four. Um, and then when I got home, I was lucky enough that this gym was opening. Uh, sort of stems down from Queensland, so Fit Stop is a franchise, and a lot of them are based up in Queensland, and they've moved down one of our the first ones to open was actually in Maitland so lucky enough when I got home to get a gig there as a group training uh PT loved it ever since like I I love meeting new people and the new members that are always coming in and the stories and just building that relationship with people is definitely something I'm very passionate about you learn so much off other people so yes it's very much a job that I enjoy so when when you did your cert three and four was that because of your passion or did you just want to get a qualification and develop the passion from there um no so I've always I loved the gym personally, like for myself and own training. Um, And then while I was away, I just thought that being like the best time while I was away playing for myself and things to do that little bit extra on the side. Um, To have something, obviously, that qualification helps to have it to fall back on as well, but definitely stem from the passion of wanting to sort of obviously loving it myself, but then also wanting to help people and grow in that aspect too. Do you feel like it keeps you more accountable as an athlete? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Don't tell someone to do something you can't, definitely. (laughs) So I'm really glad that you're enjoying that and finding your niche uh, a little bit at home back in Maitland. As you mentioned earlier in the episode, 
the decision to come and return to Maitland was for lots of reasons and mostly off court. But can you give us any hints about how you plan to spend your off season? Uh, so there's some fun things getting like in the talks at the moment, but no locked in plans as yet is all I'll say. <laughs> Exciting times. I think we'll just have to watch this space for you as well, Shaki. Yes, it's exciting. The unknown is scary sometimes, but it's it all seems very positive. So, And do you have people working for you to help you reach those WNBL goals in terms of, you know, have you got agents or do you kind of trust the universe to decide for you? Um, so it's sort of only this year that I thought to sort of reach out to someone like in regards to an agent, I'd never really understood how all that stuff worked before. It was always sort of my own conversations or, yeah, the universe working in my favour at times. But this year I had actually reached out to somebody and sort of got that assistance a little bit there as well, yeah. And has it put you in the right direction? I'm hoping so, yes. <laughs> um, Shaq, before we finish up, do you want to give anyone a shout-out? I guess just a shout-out to the girls. Let's get these finals. The Stangers. The Stangers. The stangers. Yep. <laughs> you. <laughs> and the guys too. We'll, and the guys team as well. Um, well, Shaq, thank you so much for taking time uh, to be a guest on Scott Game, especially as we head into the elimination finals. We really hope to see you go all the way with the Maitland Mustang women because you've already had such a dream season and it sounds like a lot of positives on and off court have been achieved for the women's program this year. And so I'm looking forward to see how you guys go again next year and if that can continue on. Otherwise, can we expect to see you at the MBL1 East Finals either way? Yes, I'm sure I'll be around at some point either way. So I hope to see you guys in person very soon. Us too, Shaq. But, yeah, thanks again and we'll definitely keep in touch. And, uh, yeah, best of luck for your elimination final against Norths this weekend. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. And just before we wrap up this episode, NBL One East fans, we had a very loyal listener contact us in regards to some information from episode 19 when we suggested that it was the Maitland Mustangs women's team first time reaching the finals for an NBL One equivalent competition. And before I share this information, I do have permission from this person to share on the podcast. They said, From about 1999 to 2000, the Mustangs were consistently top eight in Waratah League, which is equivalent to NBL1. However, playoffs used to be top four, not top eight, so it made it very difficult to make finals. In 2000, we finished third and lost a close semi by three to a Nat Hurst-led Canberra Capitals. But I think it was still the Nationals. The team had myself, Amy McGregor, knee Amy Boyle, and daughters of club legends Amanda Bendike and Eliane Danilidis. For me, the season in the year 2000 was personally pretty special. I was league MVP and then had two years following in All-Star 5. In 2004, I had Miller, then Henry, a few years later. So my playing days were up and down, on and off from there. Perhaps now that I've mentioned this person's kids' names, you might know who this is. They go on to say that now that their kids are playing for Maitland Mustangs as juniors and both their kids have represented New South Wales and led the junior Mustangs teams now into seniors, they believe that they've done their part producing four great players for the club and between their great players and coaching, I certainly agree. 
So a massive shout out and a big thank you to Krista Wasko, aka Krista Waskowicz. Thank you for sharing this part of the Maitland Mustangs history, particularly because it's part of the women's program. And most of all, thank you for listening to East Scott Game and for supporting the local game as much as you have. Otherwise, NBL One East fans, that is the show for this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember, you can always share our podcast with any of your friends who also enjoy the NBL One East. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on your preferred streaming platform. And now, more than ever, as we head into the NBL One East Elimination Finals, you need to remember, don't sleep on the East.